Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fancy Football Fanatics. This week I'm joined by Matt in London and Andy in San Fran. Matt, what is your football moment of the game week? Um, so my football moment of the game week isn't classically from like watching any premiership football. Uh, it was just, I've not managed to watch too many games this week, but um, I did start playing for my 11-a-side team yesterday. So it's, it's nice to play uh, sort of, well, proper football. And it's the point where you realise how different and how good premiership football players are. I think some of our goals were just uh, lacklustre would be the, the description as they sort of bobbled around the area and someone somehow managed to put it in the back of the net whilst falling over from three yards. And you all cheer as if you scored like in the World Cup final. Um, it's, it's good fun, but you realise just how different football really is at the big, in the big time. The other big difference I've always noticed when we've played 11 aside together or just, you know, at college or wherever is there aren't enough goal celebrations. No one has the balls enough to do a proper goal celebration. Is that true? Uh, yeah, people would definitely usually need a crowd and like lots of energy for that, I think, for like a proper goal celebration. The other thing <laughs> is you, you almost celebrate like a three pass move. Um, like <laughs> triangle. It's like, oh, look at that. That little triangle that got formed there, and suddenly all that space opened up for someone to basically hit it out of play and then push its long ball. It's the it's the little things, isn't it? It's it's not about the forty yard screamers. Yeah, you keep trying for that purity of like doing a proper bit of football play, whether that's passing or like actually shooting from range successfully. But uh, eighty nine minutes of the match is just people. Running around, falling over, and not looking like they're playing football. <laughs> like crunching tackles. We need crunching tackles. Yes. Mistimed. <laughs> That's not as good. Now, well-timed crunching tackle is one of the most enjoyable things to see in football. Oh, on, on wet grass. Oh, I yep. used, to, used to love a, a wet grass tackle when you just fly. Yeah, yeah, and both players end up on the ground, but really far away from each other. <laughs> Andy what was your football moment of the week yeah a bit of context for mine um, I'm, I've been introduced thus far on the pod as Andy from San Fran um, that's a bit like calling somebody from Croydon <laughs> Andy from London um, I, I, I live in Oakland which is just across the bay from San Francisco and there's a new I went to the inaugural game of the new professional team here in Oakland the Oakland Roots um, which was a, a great experience it was a surprisingly big crowd um, it was like filmed properly, like a like like a professional game should be, I guess. And I saw the um, the highlights on uh, on Instagram afterwards, and like they, the crowd went wild when when goals went in. Um, there were some ultras who were going crazy in the corner and letting off players. Um, it was all it, it all happened. It was a, uh, a game of two halves. Um, the the roots went three 0 up due to a first half perfect hat trick from uh, from number nine Jack McInerney. Um, and then threw it away by conceding three goals in the second half um, to uh, the, the cloggers from, from Orange County. So, um, yeah, that was my football highlight of the week. I went to see the, the creation of a new football team. That's pretty awesome. And I love that they, they went 3-0 up and then threw it away. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, it's even better than that. Is, um, they were 3-1 up um, for, from like the 46th minute to the 70-somethingth minute. 
And then the crowd were all shouting for this guy called Niall Irwin. Like, bring on Niall, bring on Niall. They brought on Niall Irwin and promptly conceded two goals. <laughs> Lost control of the midfield completely and drew three all. <laughs> Damn it. That's when you listen to the crowd pressure too much. And it all, you've got to listen to the manager. Uh, my, yeah, I blame the manager myself. Um, my football moment um, of this week was, uh, I'd say it was probably... The North London derby. I'm a big Arsenal fan. was really looking forward to it. Um, I had the kind of build-up of the Everton game. Everton kind of uh, versus Wolves. Goals flying in. Big tackles. Stuff like that. And I was worried that the North London derby wouldn't be as good a game. But actually, I enjoyed it way more. Um, even when we went 2-0 down, I was pretty sure we were going to come back. And yeah, it's just good fun. Blood and thunder. Penalties tackles um yeah goals it was good fun and i think both teams at the end looked a bit annoyed about the results so it was probably a fair one although uh arsenal were pushing pretty hard at the end um so yeah i would check out the highlights guys if you haven't seen it it was good fun yeah i, I watched that game as well i did enjoy i really enjoyed arsenal's defending <laughs> well we're taking it in turns last week it was david louise having an absolute nightmare this week it's socrates so maybe next week they no one will take a turn and will actually defend sensibly i think they're both good defenders it's just whether they click i think that's the most important thing um what about fpl moments of the week matt what's your fpl moment um well, my team has done really badly this week. I thought it might do. Um, so I think my football moment of the FPL moment of this week is the fact that I've, I've pressed the wildcard button. I'm joining a lot of you guys having done a wildcard. So I'm now, uh, I've now got a team that I like the look of rather than my team of this week, which had Mason Greenwood in the first team and Lucas Moore not playing a single minute um, and Dini and uh, Martial both been injured. So I've been able to repair some of those some of that damage now and it looks like a a pop of fpl team what what score are you going to finish this the game week with your old team on um so old team 35 points i think with maybe two more points to come in um so it's below average uh and i think that puts me below below average in our podcast league so i'm guessing now you're wildcarding slightly later than me and ben have you managed to get closer to the FPL template or are you going off grid? Well, the thing that I'm contemplating quite, quite a lot at the moment is um, can I fit Tammy Abraham in and have a three-man strike force of Haller, Pukki and Abraham, um, which would be a bit different from the template of last week's wildcards, I guess, where people were still going quite strong in defence and just having like a cheapy striker. Um, so... It's it's yeah. I'm debating whether to keep with uh, maybe like a Liverpool def- uh, strong Liverpool based defence and maybe Dinho as well, uh, or to go with like a, a front three that all play and look quite good. Yeah, definitely. I think that sounds like it was worth waiting those that extra week or two just to find some more cheap strikers in Haller and um, Abraham. Good shout. Yeah. What are you thinking? Kind of midfield defence. Anyone who you you don't want to miss. Well, yeah, I mean, so a lot about the wildcard is to get in those essential players now. So um, I've got in Cantwell before his price keeps keeps rising. I've got in Mason Mount. Uh, I've gone KGB alongside Sterling and Salah, which 
eats up a lot of my money. But I think those three at the moment are looking like uh, the majority of serious fantasy managers have them and they're scoring pretty heavily. Um, so they look like quite essential picks. Um, I've upgraded uh, Van Dyke to Trent Alexander-Arnold because he just looks like a absolute assist machine this season. So I think I might might go for him. Um, and then, yeah, obviously I've had Pookie in for a little while, but if, if people don't have Pookie in yet, I think Gary's got Pookie in yet and he might regret that, um, especially as his price keeps going up and up. Um, I think Hal is the latest flavour of the last two weeks. So uh, him, him and Abraham may be the ones that people start transferring in over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and we'll have to see if waiting those extra couple of weeks are, are going to pay off. Maybe, you know, it looks like they will, but whether Abraham and, and Halleck can keep going. Andy, what was your FPL moment of the week? So I wildcarded last week. So this is the first week with my post wildcard team. Um, and I was really, I'm really surprised to see that even with all of the wildcards, I'm the only person in our league with uh, Hung Min Son. Um, so he got an assist this, this week, which is, uh, you know, not like blowing it out of the water, but it's still worth having. And he looked very lively. He had like four or five shots in the game. So um, that was interesting. Um, Dan James got me, uh, got me a goal again. So that's a, a useful transfer as well. I think that's probably my, my highlight because having a Man U player who scored a goal. Uh, it's been a while since I had that. <laughs> <laughs> and a cheap one that no one else has, or not a lot of people. Yeah, indeed. Um, also, actually, one last point from, from my team is uh, I seem to have uh, successfully stopped Raheem Sterling from scoring points by transferring him in and making him captain. Ah, oh, it was you. It oh, was that, me. Makes, that makes perfect yeah, sense. It was me. I guess, I guess the, the Son thing, he didn't, he was, was he banned for the first couple of games and then. As Matt said, the template is forming around De Bruyne, Salah and Sterling. So if you have those three, getting Sun in is pretty unlikely, I think. So a lot of people picking with either De Bruyne or Sun, but you've gone with both, which is quite exciting. Which means I don't have Salah for now. Um, my plan there is that I think um, Salah's got a, a pretty tough fixture list coming up. For, like, it's, not, it's not that tough when you're Liverpool, I guess. They, they, they can score in any game, but... Um, they yeah they have a few tough fixtures coming up in the next four or five game weeks, so um, I'm going to have a look at um, probably switching from Sterling to Salah at the end of that, or doing a double transfer to upgrade from one of. Well, De Bruyne's looking amazing, so probably it will be Salah if he doesn't pay off, then I'll upgrade him to Salah later. And you finished the game week on 63 points, so pretty nice. Yeah, I topped our uh, this week. It's, I, I was the top scorer in our league, which has, again been a while. So I needed it badly after last week, so that's good. Uh, for me, I, I'm a couple of weeks post-wildcard now. Um, I think I'm going to finish on 49 points, which isn't amazing, but I'm I'm happy if I get close to 50 points. Uh, 49 feels pretty much the same. Then it's I don't see it as a bad game week. Um, my, my highlight is probably Kevin De Bruyne. He's the only player to get double digits for me. And I, I like having him in my team. I like him. He's, I think he's got everything. He's got motivation to kind of prove himself again, which is weird because he's probably one of the best players in the league. But he didn't play last season. He looks like a born winner, totally focused, and he just wants to, to score goals and get assists. And I, I, I do think he's getting forward more than he was in his appearances last season. 
And I think as his fitness increases, his ability to become a kind of box-to-box midfielder, um, yeah, increases. So uh, Kevin De Bruyne is definitely my highlight. And long may he reign. And if he doesn't, then I will be switching like Andy to Sun. Um, yeah, but that is my football, my FPL moment of the week. Um, I see you're going Salah-less as well, with your sort of covering of Mane in your wildcard team. Yeah, and I was really... Um, nervous about that last week it it didn't come off and I thought I'd made a bit of a mistake um I Mane got a goal but I don't think he looked particularly impressive against Burnley and I was really not impressed with his reaction to being substituted I think um I don't know if you guys saw it but he was having a huge rant when he sat down on the subs bench pointing at his teammates shouting um the commentators I was listening to saying that he was having a go at Salah for not passing to him when he was through on goal and I, I, I don't know if that's true because was, he was shouting at the guys on the bench, but I do get the feeling there's quite a lot of co- competition between those two. Mane last season rarely seemed to, to try and get any assists. And, you know, Salah is one of those key players he would be assisting. Um, so I wonder if there's trouble at Mill um, and whether it's all um, kind of all friendly up front for Liverpool. And, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. I just I don't like to see a player subbed off and mouthing off like that. I think it's a lack of focus and a lack of teamwork, which you're going to need. So I'm still keen on getting Salah in. I think he looked really sharp against Burnley. So my Laporte injury might help me do that, um, depending on how injured Laporte is. Um, should we take a quick break? And uh, when we come back, we're going to have a look at the fixtures. Okay, fixtures coming up, and the first one is Liverpool-Newcastle. And that one, you guys don't know who I'm going to say because I haven't sent you the running order, sorry. But that one is for Andy. I dare say this might be a Liverpool win at Anfield. Um, Newcastle did manage to have one uh, random result last week, but they reverted to norm this week, I think. Um, I don't see them doing much in this game, uh, despite the uh, the ones of Joe Linton up front. So I think this is going to be one for uh, for Salah, one for Mane, um, one definitely one for the Liverpool defenders. Um, an interesting point that you brought up previously about the um, the, the disagreement between Sa- um, Mane and the rest of his team. You might see a bit of uh, discipline enforced there by Klopp. I don't know, so maybe he might not play the full game. Um, might be something to look out for, but that really I, I can't think of much else. It's interesting to say that people don't already know about this fixture. Liverpool are great, Newcastle are not. Um, I expect Liverpool to win this to nil. With with the money thing, um, I don't know. Klopp's reaction initially in the time, I know he probably knew the cameras were on him, but he was laughing it. He was laughing at Mane. So may, I, I know that's Klopp's reaction to a lot of things to kind of laugh them off and pretend that they're not big, but. Yeah, maybe it's a good shout that there might be some discipline. I don't know if he's the kind of manager to drop a player for that kind of thing, though. Do you think so? Um, Maybe sub him. I don't know. Um, He's got that uh, requirement to rest players at certain times, especially Mane, who has had a very, very long close season with with the AFCON. So, I don't know. He might sort of... uh, 
publicly used that excuse to to deprive him of a few minutes, which could mean some points for Origi. Yeah, and do you think and you're saying Newcastle are bad? I think I'd agree with that. With their their showing against Watford, who are one of the whipping boys, and they only drew one one at home. But are they are they really bad? Is this going to be a, a cricket score? And should people be piling in on the Liverpool assets they don't have? Um, I don't think so, but I'm not really confident of that because um. I feel like Newcastle still have some of the, the Benitez-era defensive resilience about them. Um, the team isn't that different from Benitez's team at the back. And um, it's a bit like, I think we mentioned in a different pod, about how when Martinez took over at Everton from David Moyes, his team could still remember how to defend from working with David Moyes. And so it was really great in the first season. I think there's a bit of that going on with Newcastle as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't expect a cricket school, but... Um, Liverpool don't need a cricket score, maybe 2 3 now. Steve Bruce hasn't taken full effect. So, yeah, there's time, hopefully. Um, it's funny, actually. I, I don't think Steve Bruce is that bad a manager. He's certainly better than a lot of the other, like, old boys club that you see, like, rotating around the relegation threat and sides. But I think Newcastle are in such a bad state behind the scenes um, that really very few managers could make a good fist out of that. Agreed, yeah. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Brighton Burnley? Um, so, but everyone seems to be saying Burnley are doing quite well this season. I think they've had some good performances, but haven't quite had the results so far yet this year. So, they'll be looking to get something out of this game. Likewise, Brighton, everyone thinks they're a bit more attacking this year and looking more positive. Um, both, I think, ultimately a lower half. Maybe Burnley be top half the table, but I think both teams are sort of slightly mediocre. Both be looking at this game as an important one to get points. So I think it could be, it could be quite close. I think uh, one goal here or there could uh, could could resolve this one. And um, it yeah, Andoni won't be there to sort of uh, sabotage Brighton's efforts to win at home. So uh, maybe edge them just because they're at home. Um, and it's interesting ones for like there's quite a few FPL trendy assets with Ashley Barnes on goal scoring form. Are you calling are you calling Ashley Barnes trendy now? <laughs> he's trendy in FPL picked terms, I guess. Everyone's going in for him, aren't they? Um, I think he's quite the fashionable guy. No? Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I just think he's a he's a bit of a dick, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him he said that. But uh, I would still pick him in my team if I think he'd get me points. Uh, so I don't don't bear grudges. Uh, Brighton, I think they're still trying to settle into their formation. I just sold Trossard this week, uh, who had looked fancy in one game, but I just didn't see him as being regular enough um, and consistent enough for the six million midfielder when you can get someone like Mason Mount for that amount of money. So um, I traded him out, but he's still... So a player that interests me, and I, I might go back if he sort of puts in a good run of form. But I think they're still, still trying to settle down with their new squad a little bit, Brighton. Um, you mentioned Ashley Barnes. Of course, I can't, I can't let sleeping dogs lie. I have to mention Ashley Barnes. This is one of his old clubs. He has a lot of old clubs. Do you put any faith in the players always score against their old clubs kind of thing, or is that is that just a myth? Um. I could understand how it could have an impact if they like just moved and therefore knew all their opposition's weak spots. But if it's like an old club where none of the playing staff are the same anymore, then 
I could see maybe as a slight motivation to try and do well, but I, I don't know if it makes too much of a difference. Even for a man filled with so much hate? Well, I mean, but I don't think he can get more hateful in games just because he's playing against his home team or an old team of his. He'll still be kicking lumps out of Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy, but they're quite big and burly, so I reckon they could probably take it and give some back too. Okay, you're challenging Giles Barnes. Uh, sorry, you're challenging Ashley Barnes and you're saying he can't get any worse. I'm looking forward to this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll listen to me. Like, I'll take that challenge, Matt. <laughs> think I can't get more hateful. Well, watch this. <laughs> uh, next up, it's, it's Man United versus Leicester. Um, this is one for me, but I'm sure you guys can, can steer me um, afterwards with your Man U heads on. I think um, last week, Southampton... Uh, probably got the result that they've deserved for most of the season. The stats-wise, they're looking very good, um, but they haven't been getting the results. Um, well, they got one against Brighton, but in uh, before that, not so much. And I think that result against Man United uh, was quite impressive, but I think Man United without Martial um, kind of lacked, lacked that kind of thrust. I think Man U were quite narrow in their kind of team. I think Solskjaer had quite a good first team when he started the season, but as soon as the injuries come in and the suspensions come in, uh, I'm concerned for him. And I think Lukaku's comments this week were quite telling. Uh, if you haven't read the interview uh, with BBC Sport, I think, and watched the video, it's worth checking out. He's basically saying, like, um, his his comments were saying, you know, I've moved to Inter, it's a good rest, good um, uh, good changing room with winners and, you know, a good atmosphere and he's saying that at his new club, um, and he's trying not to say anything about Man United when people are pressing him for why he's left. But I think that that kind of contrast to how he's been talking before he left and what he's saying about Inter um, now scoring on his debut um, clearly in a better place. I think it's a it's a it's kind of obvious his his feelings about Manchester United and you know maybe outside of the manager just the the kind of vibe of the team. Um, yeah, I think Leicester is probably the worst team for you to be facing if you're in a slightly shaky moment and the manager's not completely, uh, you know, trusted yet. There's still a bit of doubt in the fans. Um, Jamie Vardy, you know, we said the Leicester front three last week, keep an eye out for them because we thought they were going to start um, connecting. They dropped Barrett, Perez, um, our guy in our joint team, but... Uh, Tielemans looking great again and Vardy profiting from that kind of attacking thrust so yeah I can't see a worse opponent uh, really apart from Man City uh, for Man U to be facing next game week so I see an upset here and I, I see a Jamie Vardy party uh, what do you reckon Andy? Yeah I think um, a lot of the Leicester players are going to want to do horrible things to Harry Maguire uh, especially Jamie Vardy whose pace directly um, works against Harry Maguire's one major weakness, which is his pace. Um, I'm not looking forward to the game very much. Um, I think on sort of the, the, the broader topic of what the Man U squad looks like, I think um, I think you're right that we look a little bit flat without Martial. I was really surprised and disappointed with Rashford this week. Um, and I don't know whether that's because of the sort of the missed penalty in the performance that he had the previous week, or whether that's like uh, um, something worse. But 
he certainly doesn't seem like a great pick at the moment. He's definitely going to be my transfer out from my team this week. Um, so in, until Martial comes back, I, I don't think there's much to look forward to from that man U team, other than maybe Dan James, who seems to just be sort of a, a one-man band scoring in disappointing results. Um, so I'll keep him. As for Leicester, there's a lot to look forward to on their side, isn't there? And they, they've got Vardy scoring points. They've got um, this week, Tielemann seems to have really stepped up his game. Madison had a great game last week. So, yeah, a lot to, lot to say. A lot of good in that Leicester team, I think. And probably they'll be favourites going into that game for the first time in a while. Um, Matt, just a, a quick comment for you from you as another Man U fan. You were asking for balance on Man U last week. There was definitely balance in the scoreline against uh, Southampton. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you, do you agree with Andy? Um, I'm not quite as pessimistic. Um, I think from an FPL standpoint, like Manu are a team that's in a bit of transition. They've got some young players coming in. The squad's definitely a bit thin, so a couple of injuries and suddenly it lacks a bit of quality. Um, but I think I mean, it sounds from the stats anyway that we're slightly unlucky not to beat Southampton we're I think definitely unlucky not to beat Wolves definitely unlucky to lose against Crystal Palace I worry that the whilst we maybe not got the points we deserve so far this season that's going to start playing them to play players minds and so therefore the confidence is going to dip um, it is after the international break though so I think there's time to sort of shake off the last result um, and I think United at home United will still be favourites because they're at home and as much as Leicester are quite trendy and got quite a lot of nice FPL picks, I think Man U might struggle this season, but they'd still be finishing ahead of Leicester and still a better team than Leicester. And so I think we, sh- we should, in theory, win this one, but I, th- I could quite easily see a draw or a loss and I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, yeah, James had a good start to the season, I think. Uh, yeah. I think Le- Leicester, if Leicester are going to go for it a bit, then that leaves them slightly open to Manu to get them on the counter-attack, which is our main sort of way of scoring at the moment. So uh, the fact that they're a good team might actually play into our hands. OK, fair enough. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Sheffield United-Southampton? Uh, Sheffield United-Southampton, what a cracking game that is. Um, I think Lundstrom is uh, another one of those flavour of the month players that everyone's going to be looking out for because he's a defender playing in midfield for quite a... Uh, attacking side and has already scored a goal. Um, I think this is a good one to pick him for because Southampton are not particularly good at scoring goals and um, he's, he will obviously get a clean sheet if they manage to keep one and also has a chance of scoring himself. So if he's sort of normally on your bench, this might be one to pick him for. Um, Southampton are... I don't really know how to assess their team this year because they, they looked really good last season, nothing coming. They just had a good result against Van U. Prior to that, they haven't looked that strong this season, I don't think. So, um, I don't. I'm not really looking at them as as players to transfer in generally at the moment. Um, I don't think either team really has anything else other than that to to offer. Certainly, uh, Henderson, who we were sort of hoping would have a good game at the start before the start of the season, both of the goals this week didn't look great on him. So, um, if anybody is looking at um, Henderson as a potential sort of cheap reserve goalkeeper because he's in a cheap side um might want to look elsewhere based on that performance i think that's all i have to say about this really with um with you mentioning uh john lundstrom he has he's done amazing work 
uh, as a 4.0 defender. He started at 4.0 and you said he picked up the goal there. I agree that this is a good game to start him, but possibly one of the, the few uh, in the fixtures coming up. If you look at uh, Sheffield United's fixtures, it's just a sea of red after the Southampton game. Um, so, yeah, I agree, play him. But if you haven't got him, maybe he's not the player to bring in unless he's going to be sitting your, on your bench for a good few weeks after this. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's a perfectly fair comment. Um, I don't. I, I think most people have got him because, oh my God, he's four million, he might do something. <laughs> because he, I think he's actually a long-term first-team pick. So um, I think if, if you've got him in there as an enabler, obviously you want to use him on the occasions when he might do something good, and this is one of those. Yeah, fair enough. Um, next up it is Spurs Crystal Palace. What do you reckon, Matt? Um, so I think Spurs. I mean that they've just just drawn against Arsenal, which is not a, not a bad result. Um, and obviously the derby is a bit of a different game from usual, and they had a disappointing result losing at home to Newcastle last time not at home. Um, I think they still should be able to win this fairly comfortably because I don't I don't rate Palace that highly, but I wouldn't necessarily be transferring in Spurs players particularly heavily because they're not in fantastic form and Palace are quite a good defensive defensive outfit, so I don't think they'll be shipping too many goals. Um, so, yeah, if, if you've got Kane already, then he's, well, he's scored this week. He might still score a goal, but I wouldn't necessarily be flocking to Spurs assets just right now. Yeah, I agree. Palace, um, despite not playing brilliantly at the start of the season, kind of finding their feet a little bit now, but they, in all the games so far, they've not conceded more than one goal in each of those games. So I'd agree. Um, I wouldn't be jumping in on, on Spurs and I, I wouldn't be picking Palace as the whipping boys. Um, do you agree, Andy? Yeah, something else from um, from Palace that I noticed is that they did start badly, but they started badly first. The first game of the season, Zaha didn't play, and I think the second season he came up, second game of the season he came on from the bench. Then he then he starts playing, and suddenly Palace look like a better side again because he's by miles their best player. So I think that might be the catalyst for them to suddenly look better now. There's a bit more balance in their side. They actually have some kind of attacking threat. Um, so yeah, I would expect their the the last couple of games to have been well, last game rather to have been more of a, a representative performance. The other thing to mention about Palace is that um, Mamadou Sako got his first minutes of the season. Um, he came on against Villa to shore things up for the last 11 minutes. And, you know, that's a big bonus for them defensively. They've they not looked bad defensively this season so far, but they brought in Cahill. It's a good signing, I think. They've got Sako and Tompkins doesn't look like he's going to be out for too long, according to the press. So, yeah, there's going to be competition for those centre-back places. Maybe Matt's old hero, FBL hero, Tompkins, isn't even going to get a starting place. Um, so, yeah, Zaha and those guys, it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah. Bad news for those four million Martin Kelly owners, though, I guess. Because um, his run in the team might, might be coming to an end soon. So that sort of cheap asset might not longer be the value he was he has been so far. And he's got news. He's, he's injured, too. So even how, worse. how badly? He's orange for the next game week, but that's two weeks away. So, um, yeah. yeah, but moving down the pecking order for sure. Uh, next up, it's Wolves versus Chelsea. And this is one for me. Um, I got a good look at Wolves in the Europa League. I caught the end of that this week and I watched them against Everton. And 
Yeah, I think what we discussed in earlier pods, I think, is coming to pass. They they have quite a thin squad. They've added they've added players to it, but they haven't added a huge number of bodies to it. He's rotating between the Europa League and the Premier League, um, and the fluency isn't quite there. Jimenez is still a great player, but uh, even though he's you know he's got quite a few goals recently, even he I think looks slightly jaded in comparison to where I'd expect him to be. And for that price tag, I would expect him to be outscoring those um, 6.5 million strikers. And and he's he's kind of matching them at the moment. So I'd expect more buck for my bang from him. Um, Yotta was dropped against Everton. Hasn't really kind of shone so far um, in the Premier League. Um, and more minutes for Catrone. Um, so, and he looked quite bright on his debut as well for uh, Premier League debut for Wolves. Um, yeah, I think Adama Traore is looking pretty fantastic going forward as the right wing back replacing uh, Doherty at the moment. Um, caused a lot of problems against Everton, but it's the classic thing with Traore. He is phenomenally, phenomenally fast and powerful and creates chances, but his his overall play. Um, keeping the ball and stuff like that is pretty bad still. So um, not as an FPL F, uh, asset uh, at the moment, but if Doherty gets a long-term injury, he might be quite an interesting one because he's attacking-wise very exciting. Um, yeah, I think I'm staying away from Wolves because of their Europa League stuff. They seem to be, I think they're going to do quite well in the Europa League and I think that's going to cause problems for them as FPL assets. So I'm staying clear. Um, Chelsea, yeah, Abraham, like Matt said earlier, look looks to be getting into a real groove and scoring goals. My only concern is that he's only done that so far against um, teams who've just been promoted from the championship. He did that all season um, for Aston Villa in the championship, but I'm yet to see him uh, prove it against Premier League defence. Uh, and Wolves, I think, it are a good Premier League defence. Um, yeah, so I... I I'm yet to fully get on board with Abraham until he does it against some bigger teams. Um, and yeah, Mount, I, I brought him in this week. I was slightly disappointed, but um, I, I should probably have held off like Matt did. Um, but his next couple of fixtures, this one and the one after are quite tough. So if you haven't gone in on him yet, you can hold fire if you want to for a couple of game weeks before Chelsea hit another sea of green. Um Anyone else is free to jump in on that or we can have a look at Norwich versus Man City? Um, just a quick note about Abraham is the next two games for him are Wolves and Liverpool, both excellent defences. And then there's green, 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 green after that. So it might be, uh, if people are thinking about a time to transfer in Abraham or any other Chelsea asset, it might be good to do it um, between game week six and seven so you get the Brighton, Southampton, Newcastle, Burnley run. Yeah, patience is a virtue. Um, Matt, what do you reckon to Norwich Man City? Um, so, well, rather unsurprisingly, I think Man City will win this one. Um, Norwich uh, have had the pooky party to start off the season, but that sort of uh, came crashing down against West Ham a little bit and they didn't score, score a goal and lost 2-0. Um, I think at home they will carry a threat, so I'm not sure if Man City will keep a clean sheet, um, but... I, I would expect them to score a fair few goals against Norwich's defence, which looks a bit suspect. So, 
if 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 it's if it's like a three one four one type affair, then it's uh, good captain material for for Sterling, De Bruyne, Aguero owners. Um, and yeah, definitely Man City are still. If you can, basically, if you can try and afford their players because they're all quite expensive, but they are going to score multiple goals every single game week. Um, and yeah, I mean for Norwich owners, you've got the Cantwell and Pukki are quite quite fashionable players to have because they're quite cheap and they've started the season well. Um, I mean they're unlikely to do great in this one, but I mean they Pukki scored away at Liverpool, so I'm sure you can get another get one at home um, to Man City. You, you're very keen on, on things being fashionable this week, Matt. Uh, you, you're worried about fads. I, I think you're, you're looking for, you know, classes permanent rather than a fad, right? Yeah, well, start, uh, yeah, start of the season in FPL terms, there's just like, there's not a lot of data to go on. So everyone just jumps on, like, if, if a player plays well for, like, has one long shot that goes in, that could secure him, like, thousands of people transferring him in, thinking he's the next big thing. So until you've got, like, a few few more games under your belt you're really not sure if players are like really good or they just had a lucky game and you mentioned I'm sorry I'm pulling holes in you this week um you mentioned that the Norwich defense was a bit ropey I mean I watched that game against West Ham and they didn't look a bit ropey they they looked really ropey there they had their their center back Zimmerman came back for them uh, he played in midweek in the Carling Cup I think and he, he started against West Ham I thought he looked a step above what uh, who'd been playing them with them before at centre back, but he got a really nasty tackle against Haller um, and couldn't couldn't play on. Didn't even go down, which was weird. He just tried to play on, um, conceded a goal because he was completely outpaced because he couldn't run anymore, and then got subbed off. So he's gone, and they've lost uh, closer their other kind of key centre back to a, a season-ending injury. Um, so. They drafted in uh, someone who I hadn't heard of before. I think it was Amadou as uh, centre-back to come in against West Ham. He apparently plays a bit more as a defensive midfielder, has played at centre-back before, but obviously, you know, first game at centre-back for a while and not even, you know, second team uh, centre-back. So I'd be really, really worried against, against this Man City attack. I think this could be a cricket score. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they've they've got a bad defence and it's injured as well, so it's it's not not looking very good. And all they like to do is attack, and that isn't going to be a great strategy against Man City. So, yeah, yeah. I, I like you. Max Owens, my early season pick, has certainly not come off very well so far. <laughs> <laughs> so far, who knows? Though we'll see. Um, the question is: Is it going to be eight nil or eight one? Though that's a big one, right? Because uh, if Norwich are going to get one on the counter, it's going to be Pookie. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would say against West Ham, the brightest attacking player for Norwich was Cantwell. Pukki was kind of nullified and looked uh, uh, looked a bit down and out. But Cantwell was, you know, struck the bar, had a header, which he probably should have done better with, uh, with an open goal. So I don't know, one of those two. But yeah, I, I, I like the idea they're going to score at home against Man City. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Bournemouth-Everton? Bournemouth-Everton. Uh, Everton should be a lot better than they have been this season, I think. And beating Wolves might be a bit of a turning point for them. There's a lot of good players on that side um, going forward. Moisey Keane's a bit of an unknown quantity in, in this league at the moment. But if he turns out to be the striker that um, they can build the rest of the attack around, then 
um, that could be a real they, they could be a real threat sort of building towards the uh, the middle and end of the season. Bournemouth have looked really bad. They have this uh, propensity for being awful for large periods of every season, and I think they're in one of those periods right now. So I expect an Everton win here, even though Bournemouth are at home. Um, and I know a lot of people have been talking about Alex Iwobi, who um, has had a good couple of games for Everton. I, I'm not sure I'd be jumping on the Iwobi train right now. He's not somebody who has a history of going on long, like, scoring runs. He's somebody who sort of seems to contribute to the attack in other ways than scoring and assisting um so not not the ways that you want for a, a fantasy asset so i'm not i'm not convinced by him at the moment i think if you're looking at everything assets um the classic sigurdsson richardson would be more where i'd put my money um and then if you're looking for a gamble then maybe moisey king yeah i totally agree i think um Iwobi's, uh two goals recently have been headers which is totally out of character um so maybe not something that you want to jump on uh also minutes are a bit of an issue for him but i I think the player that really really shone against wolves was richarlison um you know he pounced on the error uh by the keeper in the first half and had a really powerful header um he had a kind of running battle with willy bolly during the whole game and he clearly came out on top at the end willy bolly gets sent off for a, a challenge on richarlison and he scores he scores a header, so that's pretty good, isn't it? It is. I, I've just never really been convinced by him. He goes on these runs, and I see him as a, a sort of a player who goes on runs and therefore useful specifically for fantasy. He's often undervalued because we well, have traditionally been undervalued because his overall score for the season has never been that good, even though for a specific part of the season he's been amazing. Um, I don't know what he does that's good. Like he doesn't pass the eye test for me, so. Um, I don't know. I, if he goes on a run, I'll transfer him in because he goes on runs. But until I'm convinced that he's on one, he's staying away from my team. Those runs he goes on, though, he goes on at the start of the season. And, you know, is this the start of that? Two goals and Everton's fixtures are good uh, from now until game week 14. So, I mean, he's done it the last two seasons. He's now up to speed. You say he goes on runs. It sounds like he's going to go on one. He, he's dropped in price as well. But he's also missed his mark for this season because he normally starts the season with the opening few fixtures being amazing. And he's, we're now, it's the chicken to the fourth game to get going. So I don't think he's on his regular like cycle. I think something is different this season about him. I don't know. We'll see. It might, it might be that he, turn, he, turn, like, he starts four games late and has an entire season of a run. That might happen. But I'm... Basically, because to me, he doesn't pass the eye test. I'm sceptical of him, and therefore I wait to see evidence before transferring him in. I just think against this Bournemouth defence, you said they're bad. He scored two goals. He likes early season. He gets some runs. Uh, personally, I like it, but I, I, I can understand. I can respect the fact that you don't. Um, I wish I'd picked him as my gut punt now. Damn it. Um, <laughs> Watford versus Arsenal. This is one for me. Um, I think... Uh, I think Arsenal looked really disappointed. I said that at the end of the North London derby, but I, but you know, a game like that really, really fires fires them up, especially at home. Watford is another game that they need to be fired up for. Although they're going to be missing their um, their chief thorn in their side, Troy Deeney, which I think is only going to help Arsenal because um, Troy Deeney loves to score against Arsenal and, and wind up the centre backs, and we definitely have two centre-backs who can be wound up. Um, yeah, I think 
Watford a draw with Newcastle. I expected more. I expected um, I expected them to get a result against against Newcastle, and they didn't do that. So that says to me that um, they're still not on form, um, and this is a really tough game because I think Emery's going to have learned a lot from the North London derby. I think I hope and pray that he's learned that Granite Jacker's time is done. He is ready for the bench. Um, at best and it's time for Ceballos um, to take his place um, you know Torreira and Guendouzi don't need him anymore Ceballos is the new Santi Cazorla um, you know hallowed by his name so he needs to come in <laughs> Emery needs to listen to this podcast um, and I think Arsenal if they keep playing that front three of Aubameyang Lacazette and Pepe they'll be good just watch the injury news on Lacazette because he came off and he was pointing to his calf, I think it is. I don't know muscles that well, but pointing to his leg and Emery was checking with him. I think that's why he came off early. Um, he's a player who loves you know, these muscle injuries. So keep an eye out for that, because if that front three plays, they are going to tear teams apart this season. Um, when Pepe gets his first goal, I can see him you know, getting even more confident than he is now, and he's pretty confident already. So um, I go Arsenal for this, for a, a Watford team missing the crucial leader of Troy Deeney. Are you transferring in Arsenal assets then? No, I'm not. Um, I, weirdly, I yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm an FPL obsessive, but I don't like to mix the two unless it's a, you know, unless I really see something that I can profit from. I liked a pure watch as the always cheaters um, podcast call it, where you can watch your team. You don't have to worry about FPL stuff. Um, and yeah, I, Pepe is the player that I'm looking at this season because if he fires, he fits in quite nicely into my team in that 9.5 bracket. Um, I think his value will keep dropping until he scores his first goal. De Bruyne is there, Son's there. If they're not on form or if they're injured, then Pepe might be a player I look at. Um, but he just needs to adapt slightly. Apart from that, Kolasinac I love, but he's going to get dropped for Tierney soon. Maitland-Niles, I think, is a really nice pick at 5.0 or close to that anyway. I think Maitland-Niles is making great leaps forward um, at the moment. Uh, I just He's just not quite there, but at 5.0 as a rotation option, he, I think he's great. Um, yeah. So I, I have a question for you about um, Pepe. He looks like one of the most talented players in the league right now. But the question is, is he going to be um, like the next big thing? Or is he, gonna, is he just a, a box of tricks, like a nanny who always sort of frustrates? Um, what do you think he's going to be, Duncan? I think he's going to get goals. I think in the Arsenal team playing with Aubameyang, playing with Lacazette. And it, the crucial thing, I think, is playing with Ceballos. If Ceballos gets more minutes, which his performances are definitely, um, you know, promoting, then I think he's going to get chances and I think he will get goals. And his confidence is sky high and, and you know, we're not going out and flattening teams. I think that will come. Um, and he doesn't seem to be too bothered about the rough and hurly-burly that's that's kind of my problem with Richarlison. I think that's why Richarlison goes slightly off the boil because in the Northwest, you know, once the the September sunshine is gone, 
I don't know if if he likes it, you know, cold and wet and a rainy night in Stoke and all that kind of stuff. I think that's the big test for a, a player uh, from outside the Premier League coming. Um, yeah, it's it's the winter time, so we'll, ha- we'll ha- remains to be seen for me. All right, second question for you about about um, Arsenal is a player that you mentioned a few times. I have Sabios in in my team because to me he looks like a fantastic player. Um, do you think he's actually a good fantasy asset, or do you think he's just a good player? I think he's just a good player. I think he's he's Santi Cazorla without the penalties. So <laughs> I think FPL wise, um, he's a nice price. Um, if he starts games, he looks like he'll be on set pieces, but he might be sharing those set pieces with Pepe. Now Pepe's in the team. He played. He he took a couple today. So he he's he's. Yeah, for me, he's he doesn't look like a, a goal getter, really. He looks like someone who's going to make things happen, you know, um, assists or assisting the assister. Um, but that's enough about Arsenal. Let's move on to the crucial fixture of the game week: Aston Villa West Ham, and that's one for you, Matt. Yeah, Monday night football has never sounded more more fascinating. Uh, I, I think it's one where Aston Villa. Have started the season reasonably. West Ham seem to be coming into gear, but West Ham are the away team, and West Ham are a little bit flaky. So, it, tough one to call which way it's going to go. Um, but I think you can uh, probably predict maybe some goals. Haller looks like he's quite a decent player, um, and Seth is definitely going into people's sides. You, you could call him fashionable, I guess. Uh, and then. Uh, McGinn's been like the popular one for Villa um, because he just likes to have lots of shots um, and he's a very good price point. Uh, so I think it's it's it's, inter- it's, it's interesting games. I think both sides are starting to settle down. You're trying to find out are these are some of their players on good form or actually are they going to be really good this season? Um, and so this could be a really good test for that. Did you do you see much of the West Ham kind of front four? I, I was really impressed with. Um... With with all of them and how they linked up with Haller, they they seem to be really kind of connecting quite quickly. Although you know a lot of new faces, Andy's pick of Lanzini uh, looks like he's got over his injury problems, hopefully, and he, kind of knitting things together. Anderson, you know, classy player. Um, do you see the West Ham attack being quite a feature this season? De- I mean, definitely got that potential, haven't they? I mean, they're sort of under the radar. They've spent quite a lot of money, West Ham, and um, they've sort of compiled quite a talented team um i just think in a sort of typical sort of west ham way that they'll just constantly uh maybe look good in patches do some really nice goals but then every so often go missing for a match or two and so difficult sometimes to predict difficult sometimes to have them in your team but i think over the if, you, if you're picking those players for the medium term then they're probably going to deliver quite well and you're right lanzini at six and a half is quite a tempting pick Hallett 7.4 is a good tempting pick. If Anderson finds a form as last year, then maybe he'll come into um, into the frame again. But he's not quite got the, the goals and assists just yet. Andy, you've gone for Lanzini. Do you think, I, and I think you've mentioned previously that West Ham have the fixtures. Do you, do you think that they have a good fixture run or are you just going for them for the form? Well, the good fixture run has ended now. with uh, well, it, it will end with Aston Villa. Um, after that, they have... Um, couple of reds they have Man United and Everton in game weeks six and nine um Crystal Palace in game week eight at um at home but um Palace have a, a record of being good away um they're Bournemouth in the middle of that so if they haven't got their act together by then that'll still be an easy one but it's a, a pretty tough 
next four fixtures, I think, after this one. Um, where their fixture list really gets hard, though, is uh, game week 13. They've got Tottenham, Chelsea, Wolves and Arsenal all in a row. So for my, my bet with West Ham is I think they've, they've had a good run now. Keep them for Aston Villa. And then if you're going to um, like look for a transfer, get rid of them before the Man U game. Keep them away until game week 19, where suddenly they have a sea of green again. And so I think that's where the, the West Ham assets are really going to come alive, is in that sort of um, third quarter of the season. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's time for us to pick our, our whipping boys. I know I definitely have one. Matt, who, who are your whipping boys this week? Um, so whipping boys is going to be Newcastle, I think. Um, I can see Liverpool spanking them. OK, Andy, do you agree? No, I think it's definitely going to be Norwich. <laughs> okay, so I've got the deciding vote. I, I agree with Andy. I think Norwich just, it's that perfect storm of uh, an attacking team who've just been promoted. Uh, they love to attack, but they've got defensive injuries to a defence that was already, already pretty terrible in the championship. So, perfect storm. Man City come to visit Carrow Road. Norwich will be out to attack them, and it's going to go horribly wrong, I think. Is that okay, Matt? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very good uh, pick. I just went Liverpool because they're at home. I can see them bagging a few, uh, but you're quite right. There's definitely the, the, the chance that Man City go nuts. Okay. What about clean sheets? Andy, who's your first clean sheet? Liverpool. Okay. Matt? Um, I think Spurs will keep one against Palace. Even with the Jordan IU machine, <laughs> yeah. machine, I think he's uh, he's maybe I, I've not looked the stats on this, but I, I would expect that his XG is probably much lower than his two goals in the last two games. I think he's had basically had two chances. What a yeah. player! <laughs> so efficient, <laughs> Vardy esque. Um, I'm going to go for um, Burnley clean sheet. Um, I think Burnley's fixtures now look really nice and I think Brighton like Matt was saying they're kind of trying to get used to this system get used to the new manager and Burnley could take advantage of that back to you Andy yeah I think maybe Brighton Burnley looks looks nil nil to me so maybe I might both agree with you and say Brighton okay back to you Matt um I'm starting to struggle I'd say I think Early season, especially, there's less clean sheets. And I, don't, I, don't, I expect most most of the fixtures have goals in. Yeah, I, I expect Wolves and Chelsea to have goals for both teams. Um, we 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 did say maybe Man City would concede a goal, so we're going to stay away from them. Yeah, maybe Everton against Bournemouth. You know who looked really really dangerous um, against um, Wolves for Everton this week? I thought. Um, I was going to keep this to myself, maybe put him in my team and not tell you guys, but Yerry Mina, he's been hoovering up the bonus points so far. And I, I know Everton conceded a couple of goals in this game, but from set pieces, he's starting to find his range. He had two attempts. They're clearly aiming for him and they've got other players. Uh, Andy, I can see you laughing. Why are you laughing? I love the idea that you, you thought that you could um, surprise us by uh, by transferring Yerry Mina in your team into your team as though we didn't know that you rated him already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, damn it. But yeah, I think I think he, he's starting to find his range from set pieces. Sigurdsson is starting to find him. Oh, Dina. So um, that would be my tip. Um, but it's not tip time, is it? Not quite yet. Um, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Fanatics League. Okay, we're back and we're we're having a look at the FBL FF Fanatics Podcast League. We've got lots of you joining, which is great. Um, you definitely have a, a good chance of of doing well in this league in comparison to some of the other podcast leagues, um, which you know have thousands of players. Um, this one, I think, we're up to. Let me have a look. Just over sixty players. We've got players joining every week, um, but good chance of of getting quite high up in this in this league. And at the moment, we have uh, one man who currently. Uh, is still in the league. He was in. He was in the lead last last week. John Hart to pay with my Aki Breaky Heart, uh, a score of sixty points, I think, so far, and, and looking good at the top of the league. Um, putting putting the fanatics to shame as we kind of drop down past the listeners. Um, but a big move from Kevin Miles uh, with eighty five points this week, um, joint highest uh, game week score, and he goes into second place with Milner. <laughs> Can I read this out? Milner barely no uh. Uh maybe I don't know if you guys get that, I don't get that, but um he's done really well this week with, with 85 points. So Adrian in goal, he's gone for Adrian and it, and it's worked out for him at 4.5. Robertson's Zinchenko. He's also gone for Emerson, who's a bit of a a trendy pick, Matt. Uh stats. <laughs> He hasn't got the FPL returns yet, but stats-wise, I know Fancy Football Shout, uh, Fantasy Football Scout was shouting him out last week for his stats, the amount of attempts he's had. I think he's he was topping the league for for shots for a defender and getting lots of efforts in the box. Um, so that's maybe one for the future. He's looking at the stats, and that's quite good fun. Uh, he's he's got Hayden in midfield, which is totally out there, but has got him six points. Uh, with an assist that is impressive work um son de bruyne he's he's joined andy in, in doubling up and those kind of lower priced or maybe underpriced uh premium assets mount and salah um his captain this week was aguero great captaincy and i mean aguero seems to be a bit of a differential in the fbl community for sure um possibly lower ownership at 22 percent uh, than he has in previous seasons um and pookie not yet partying, but but surely he will party again soon. So, yeah, good good score from from that team this week, and yeah, congratulations to Kevin Miles, um, doing himself proud in the league. If you want to join our league and, and compete with us and and compete with those two guys at the top of the league, the code is lowercase o zero seven lowercase o. Look, oh, I've got it wrong. <laughs> the code I'll start again is lowercase k. Zero seven lowercase o lowercase o lowercase f, and you can find that on on Twitter. 
if you can find us on Twitter at FBLFFanatics. Um, next up, it's Matt with our, our, our joint team, our Fanatics joint team that we're managing together as a podcast this, this week. So, Matt, how, how did we do? Yeah, so this week it got 59 points, uh, which is not bad. Um, I think uh, having uh, Alexander-Arnold got 11 points for it. Mane was another good pick of eight points so, and, and Van, Van Dijk from seven points. So owing a lot to its Liverpool loyalty. Um, obviously, we captained Sterling, so that's not worked out like many other fantasy managers this week with just the three points double to six. And our Kane up front got another goal. Um, disappointing from Perez, who uh, didn't play. So I think he's probably a big candidate to be subbed out now. Uh, six and a half million. And Ceballos only got a few minutes, which is a bit frustrating this week. Kelly did well to get us a clean sheet, but is a bit injured. So also maybe one to consider subbing out. Um, and then we've got yeah people like Andoni serving suspension on the bench. Dunk getting a minus one, who I think might get subbed in, unfortunately. Uh, so that's not very good. But, but there we go. Yeah, overall, slightly above average week. It's doing a solid start. We've got two free transfers this week uh, because we saved from last week. So, um, Andy, what's your what's your thinking on, on transfer policy? So, I first of all, I totally agree that we should uh, we should be dropping Perez. Um, but I've been kind of advocating for that for, since we put him in in the first place because I don't think he's much of a, a point getter. Um, I think that at that at that price range, you've got a lot of options between the likes of Mount, James, T. Elements, Lamella, Lanzini, players that are getting more minutes and more points that you might have previously expected. Um, I think probably of that group, um, I'd go for Mason Mount based on upcoming fixture. The next two are hard, but then it gets easier after that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think my, my proposal would be um, Perez out for Mount. Um, and Done, although he's obviously suspended for one week, he's then going to be back. And I suspect he'll be back in the team because he scored a goal previously. Um, I don't think the value that he previously had has gone away. So if we're going to make a second transfer, I think maybe Martin Kelly might, aside from being injured, lose his place in the side now. Um, so maybe we, since we have 0.3 in the bank, if we could save... Um, oh, no, hang on, there isn't a saving there. I'm wrong. Haha, <laughs> Perez for Mount. Um, if we did want to do the double transfer, then maybe Perez for, for Dan James instead, save more money, and then we could upgrade from Kelly to somebody else. I think uh, I think Dan James's run is unsustainable. I think he's done well uh, as a young kid at a new club that's not in a particularly good place at the moment, but I don't think his goal-scoring run is sustainable. And I'd be wary about moving on Man United assets at the moment, for sure. I think my um, my my first my if, it, if we just did what I wanted to do, it would be the one transfer. It'd be Perez out, and then um, I would pick Mason Mount in. But it's a pretty tight call between Mount and uh, and Lanzini or Tielemans for me. I think our team. I, I'm quite amazed. I I didn't realise how we got to you know 59, 58 points around the 60 mark without a good captaincy because we captain Stone this week. But looking at it, it's our defence. It's our uh, Gary's Maverick goalkeeper pick of, of rotation of Geiter coming in for us uh, with a clean sheet. Trent getting a clean sheet. Kelly, Zinchenko and Van Dyke. So that's five clean sheets at the back. That's pretty impressive. But I think 
yeah, our problem is is on the margins of the team. I agree that it's Perez. Um, Perez is the one to change. And yeah, I, I agree. Maybe we don't need to make two transfers. Um, yeah. But yeah. The only thing, so just to put it out there, um, if we did want to do a transfer there to some surgery, we could maybe go down below the six million price point towards someone like a McGinn or Ceballos, which would open up the, oh, we've got Ceballos already in, so, but like a, maybe like a McGinn. Um, and then, then we could afford, Kelly could become like a 4.6, 4.7 defender uh, that plays regularly. Actually, here's, a, here's an interesting one. Let me just check the price of somebody. Um, I'd really like... Is, sorry, you go, Duncan. I'd really like... Uh, <laughs> I know Andy's really going to hate this one and he's in charge of transfers this week, so it's pretty unlikely. But I'd really like Richarlison in for Perez. And that's a bit of a jump, so someone would need to be downgraded. But um, that's the player I'd push for at the moment. He's got the fixtures. I think he now has the form, and he's had, you know, previous seasons. He's had a record of, of going on runs in, in the early season. His values dropped, so we'd be making a bit of money on him if he did rise, um, which I probably think he will because, you know, uh, FPL players like him when he's on these runs. Um, so if there's anyone else we could downgrade from uh, from Perez to Richarlison, then I'd be all for that. I'm against the Richarlison plan as well. Um, I'm afraid I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out here. I th- I don't think uh, Richarlison's done enough just yet. He's just played well for one game. Um, I would say the one thing I have a hesitation amount for is that he's on my own team. So I just think to make it more interesting, I'd prefer it to be someone else than Mount, but. Maybe like a Lanzini or McGinn. Here's one for you guys. I've got one for you. I think I've just cracked it. We could downgrade Perez to Cantwell and upgrade and donate to Ashley Barnes. Oh, oh. Yes! (laughs) That's fancy. I like that. I like that. I like that. Moment of inspiration. Should we do it right now before the before the values change? <laughs> can we just can we just think about uh, hold on because we've got we've got the international week so we don't want to make transfers right now. I think I would advise caution on making a transfer before internationals week because you know there's there's a lot of injuries that pop up that aren't injuries and there's a lot of injuries that pop up that are injuries. So I would hold fire on making the transfers. You know, uh, Cantwell has Man City and we've just predicted them to get an absolute tonking. So. We don't have to do that right now. Is Cantwell going to be on our bench for for the next game week, or are we going to have to play him? Um, well, if we look if at the a- team, for- sorry, Matt. Sorry, Andy. Yes. Yeah. So if Ashley Barnes comes in for Andoni, then we can uh, we can sub out Cantwell and keep with a we could go to four three three um, as a formation and have Cantwell on the on the bench. That would mean playing one of Kelly or Dunk, though. Who are Brighton playing against? Burnley. Um, Brighton have Burnley. So then you're playing a, a striker against a defender that they're uh, like in the same game. But we have, Andy, you yourself predicted that game being nil-nil. And, you know, I've predicted Ashley Barnes to score against his old club. So maybe we'd be hedging our bets. Yeah, we would. And um, but Burnley's upcoming fixture list is very tasty. It's uh, Brighton, Norwich, Villa, Everton, Leicester, Chelsea, Sheffield United, West Ham United. It goes on and on and on. So it's a good time to be transferring in Burnley, I think. And we'll I, be... I second your vote uh, for the, the Barnes-Cantwell 
and I think we should do it live. I think. This <laughs> but what, what about caution? What about uh, what about internationals? <laughs> Are these players going to rise in price? Um, is Cantwell in? <laughs> following this, following this pod, I expect them to. I think Cantwell will rise in price. I think Barnes will rise in price, and I think Perez might drop in price over the next few days. So, unless we want to watch it really carefully on the um, FPL statistics, then um, then I reckon it, it's not the. I mean, it's a bit maverick to transfer right now um, on on Sunday night, but it's not like they're international players either. So. Uh, Austria still shun Barnes because he's an arsehole. Uh, so therefore, <laughs> he's probably got two weeks of just some light training, actually. So he's unlikely to get too injured. All right. Well, Matt and I both say go, uh, go big or go home. So I'm going to put you're outvoted, Duncan. We're going to I'm going to press make transfers right now. <laughs> Done. Oh, the thrill, the thrill. <laughs> Adrenaline pumping through me now. <laughs> and we said we wanted Lewis Dunk and Ashley Barnes in the team, which means that we don't want Martin Kelly. So our team is now a 4-3-3. Excellent. Should we move on to gut punts? Sure, let's do that. So um, first thing for gut punts is a quick review of last week's scores so um gary taylor again has continued his unbelievable run of just predicting everything um 13 points for tammy abraham and eight points for Issa diop puts him miles ahead in the league um he was uh for everyone who thinks i just didn't prepare properly he was meant to be doing this on the pod today so i don't and he's not here so I don't have the uh, the full table to present to you guys, but I can tell you Gary is definitely winning. I can also tell you that Duncan is definitely second because with Haller, who I wanted, but you've gotten ahead of me, Duncan, um, is the only other player who didn't blank this week with uh, with eight points. Um, ben got a three for Lanzini because they kept a clean sheet, but that's kind of a blank for a midfielder. So that's really all that happened that was interesting. So between... Um, Harvey Barnes, Jack Grealish, Joe Linton, Lascelles, Decore, and Pereira. Nothing good happened. And that is our, uh, our review of last week. Well done, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, Gary. Yeah, you keep on winning. Um, he didn't back himself, his own guts, in his, his fantasy team. Yeah, then he'd be streets ahead, wouldn't he? Although he would make a lot of transfers. <laughs> <laughs> um. In terms of this week's gut punts, um, I think probably it's better off if we go through. We ha- haven't yet got the uh, the season long punts from you guys, so maybe if we each go through our own our own gut punts for this week, why don't you go first, Duncan? Uh, so, am I going with my season gut punt, or am I going with my just gut punt for this game week? Both of them, please. Both of them. Okay, so uh, I think I shouted this out in the preview. I think that Leicester are going to cause an upset. If you think that's an upset against Man United away, and I think. That my gut punt is uh, Telemans. Um, I think I'm uh, just going to check his ownership and see if I'm allowed that um, because our, our punts have to be under 5% owned. He's 4.1% owned at the time of making the punt, so hopefully his value doesn't go too much over that at the moment. Um, yeah, I think looking at his points per game last season, although he didn't play much of it, he just joined um, at the end of the season. 
he was up there with Ericsson and you know the Sons with something like four point six point points per game. So if him and Leicester are getting into their groove, I think he's just going to tick over with points here and there. And I would predict him to do that against Man United. Uh, for my season gut punts, I get to choose between Sharp, Billy Sharp, um, Andros Townsend and Jamal Lascelles. It's not going to be Jamal Lascelles because uh, that was a terrible pick and he's playing Liverpool. Um, I think it's between the other two. And Billy Sharp minutes is a bit of an issue. So I'm going to go for Andros Townsend playing against his old team, Tottenham. Um, who are a little bit up in the air um, with the Ericsson transfer saga and hopefully Townsend can remind them what a good player he was and that he let them go. Uh, so those are my gut punts. All right. Thank you, Duncan. Um, Matt, how about you? Um, I'm going to go for the other Wilson at Bournemouth, Harry Wilson, who uh, seems to be having quite a lot of shots. Is that quite a nice start to the season? Uh, six million pound low picked uh, midfielder so I think uh, yeah, the Wilson-Wilson combo could be something that goes on this season I think Everton are they're looking good but away from home they did just concede two goals at home um, I, I can see Bournemouth getting some goals Alright solid then for your other punt um, so my other punt is I've got the bad, bad trio of season punts so I've got Murray, who doesn't play that much. I've got Max Owens, who concedes an awful lot of goals and therefore doesn't get any points at all. And I've got uh, Decore, who seems to have a habit of scoring own goals and getting booked at the moment. <laughs> so, so out of those that trio, I'm going to go for Decore. Arsenal got a sloppy defence, so maybe Decore can get a goal there. Yeah, I think from that list, that's probably who I would have gone for as well. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to hold me back, I think, until I can transfer out my season punts of the a Christmas wild card. <laughs> Do we get that? Is there is there a chance? Because I would love a chance to change my season punts. I think we're lobbying the administrator Gary for this this chance to uh, to ditch our awful season picks. Maybe we <laughs> should maybe we should get chips like you do in the real FBL game, and you can use your chips at any point in the season. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe. I'm sitting on playing the triple captainship on any of these guys anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, right. what are your gut punts? So I, I need to check the rules. Um, there's no like uh, price limit on the gut punts, right? Only under five percent ownership. There's no price limit, I don't think. You'll get a okay. minus one though for going for an expensive player. I'm I'm actually fine with that. I'm going to go for Riyad Mahrez as my game week punt who is only at 3.2 percent ownership um because i think he's quite likely to play in this uh, in this game and if uh, if we were if we were right that said you're going to destroy norwich then he'll i'd expect to get something from that so yeah riad Mahrez is my seat is my game week punt <laughs> i'd love to hear your, your guys reaction to that i think that's genius yeah very clever because sane's injury has meant he's going to get more minutes and Norwich's left back uh, is probably going to be bombing forward, isn't he? So, yeah, good shout. I think it's quite punty because he, he might not play. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, he might not play. That, 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 that's, where the, that's why he's 3.2% ownership, right? But if, he was, if he was a first team, he'd be a lot more expensive and picked by everybody. So, um, that is, that's where the punt comes in. But, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to go for. 
Um, my season-long punts, uh, I think Calvert-Lewin has, has lost his place in the side, so that's not really much use. I've got a choice between Grealish or Dunk. Um, Grealish is playing against West Ham, Lewis Dunk against Burnley. Um, I'm going to pick Lewis Dunk, although it's pretty close between those two. Grealish might do something against West Ham, they're not, not very good defensively, but I'm going to go for Lewis Dunk, and I'm going to back myself on that nil-nil between Brighton and Burnley. Nice one. What about, um, what about Gary's gut punts? What about Gary's gut punts? Do we have his? Uh, yeah, I think we do. Um, although... season-long punt, at least I don't think. I think he's gone with... Tarkowski, I think. Yes, you're right, he did. Also going for the, uh, the Burnley-Brighton 0-0. Yeah, and a good pick because he's got a threat from set pieces as well, hasn't he, Tarkowski? Yeah, he does. He does, that's true. So it'll be interesting if... Uh, if Duncan Tarkovsky are up against each other at corners with me and Gary cheering the opposite, opposite guy on. I mean, you say interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting for, for the two of us. Well, unfortunately, we don't have Ben's gut punt this week because Ben is on honeymoon and he's, he is jetting off around the whole world on his honeymoon. So he's, he's going to be having a lovely time. Uh, if we do get his gut punt while he's away, then uh, it will be him tweeting it. So... Give us a follow on, on Twitter at FPLFFFanatics um, and get in touch with us through that as well. It'd be great to hear from you guys. Um, yeah, it's always nice to see people uh, tweet, tweeting us and interacting with us on there. Um, and also, please take the time to rate and review us if you like the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, thank you for your insight, Andy. Uh, it's been my pleasure, and uh, here's fingers crossed to no injuries to any of my players over the international week. Thank you for your insight, Matt. Thank you. Um, yeah, bad game week. Come on the wild card and like my tinkering away of the next two weeks. And as a, as a kind of final thing, we don't have a, a football hipster song to play you at the end of this podcast. Sadly, we've we've run out of those, but we do have something else. So. Andy, you're a you're a, a worldly man. Do you know what um <laughs> what the meaning of kung fu is? The meaning of kung fu. So, fu can mean wind. It's the fu wind. I think it, there is some relation to that, but what what my sources tell me that uh, the original meaning of kung fu is to achieve uh, mastery over a certain skill. It doesn't technically have to be a martial art. So you could achieve Kung Fu in cleaning if you dedicate a lot of your time <laughs> to cleaning, you could have Kung Fu in, in cleaning. That's and, amazing. And one man who I think achieved Kung Fu in, in a very different way during his career was Eric Cantona. Um, but I think he's achieved true Kung Fu in the combination of art, performance art and football. So uh, yeah, enjoy this. This is a clip of Eric Cantona receiving a, a nonsense award this week and his, his acceptance speech. The recipient of the 2019 President's Award. What's going on through your mind right now? Uh, as flies to wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. Soon the science will not only be able to slow down the aging of the cells, soon the science will be 
will fix the cells to the state. And so we will become eternal. Only accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Eric. You.